advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas, or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets, and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? That's me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amrys Wang, and this is The Raw Entrepreneur. Good morning, everyone. Today's episode is with Nathan Estes, founder of the Mighty Hearts Project. Mighty Hearts Project was founded in 2017. They are a voluntary 501c3 non-profit organization that works closely with families dealing with canine mitral valve disease, or MVD, seeking mitral valve repair surgery. They aid families with the information gathered over the years about logistics and this procedure. The team have personally experienced saving their own companion animals with this life-saving repair procedure. They collectively came together to create a platform of hope, support, education and advocacy to better aid families and so Mighty Hearts Project was established. This is Nate's story. Who is Nate Estes or Nathan Estes, you know, which, whichever do you prefer to be called? <laughs> Most people call me Nate Estes. Okay. But, uh, it's something I never, I don't know, when I created Facebook, I just never put what I'm normally known as Nathan Estes. Okay. Gotten used to Nate, so I just left it. I but think. uh yeah my friends call me nathan and you know so my like my history kind of where i come from mm-hmm. is i'm just a everyday pet parent like any one of anyone probably here listening to your show you know just faced with um, very difficult circumstances of going through my dog's medical diagnosis of mitral valve disease at a very early age of five and a half um, being told that nothing could be done for my dog at the age of five and a half, that she had about a year left to live and she was going to die basically in a year. So, you know, as a pet parent, you, 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 I don't know if you're ever prepared to hear that with your animal, you know, especially at five and a half years old. So we were told all this information and told there was nothing that could be done and, and it led me to research like most people do nowadays on Dr. Google. And that's kind of when I found that there was options available for mitral valve repair by Dr. Misami that led me down that hole of, okay, there is something I can do something. What do I have to do? What do I have to go? I'm going to do it. I'm all in. So that's kind of, how I started my journey with this whole thing, you know, 
mostly uh, I'm, I'm just a regular pet parent IT guy who fixes computers and got this big diagnosis on my dog and now I have to deal with it. I'm going to fight it. We're going to, we're going to win at all costs. And I found the solutions and the answers I needed to get her to this surgery, which at the time was only available by Dr. Masami, the only person in the world at that time that could do this surgery in 2016. So literally we were, we found the solution. He's only doing it in Japan and France at the time, not anymore, but he was only doing it at these two places. We probably couldn't wait six months for Zoe cause she was going pretty quick. And we, um, scheduled, we scheduled ourselves for France and we literally had three months to rake together the 28 grand at the time it would cost to figure out how to get my dog to France, all the requirements it takes to put that together and how do you export a dog out of this, you know, out of your country to another country? Where do you stay? Um, wiring money to people that you don't even know, that you've never even talked to on the phone, just through email. So I had to like verify this through uh, reputable universities. Is this real? Am I sending my money to get ripped off? Most people had that in the early days, like, okay, you're, you're getting ripped off, be careful. But I vetted it through the accredited universities and they said, this is legitimate. So we, we went all in and we got all the money and we did everything we had to do. And, but it was very challenging to put together the resources and figure it out and very few people around to help during that time in, in the early days. And I was guided by two people that really helped me at the time to figure it out who have gone through this journey themselves. So, but there wasn't really a lot of information out there. So I was approached by other people who have had the surgery because we kind of started a little group in Facebook and we were running things and, and then we, um, we all came together and wanted to build a bigger platform to put together our ideas to help people in a better way, in a more um, combined way with the information. So the website was created Mighty Arts Project and you know all the resources were put together to aid families just like us who had to do this and we wanted to give them the best information to do this safely and, and sanely because it's very emotional and you know I, I, to go through something like that I mean it's stressful enough to just in your local area to go through a major surgery with your animal let alone um, going to a different country you've never been to and all the requirements, regulations, uh, you know, the stress of traveling with your animal on a plane and, and getting there. And, you know, it's the only place in the world that can fix your animal. Nobody else can. And so it was just kind of how it all started. We just came together as a group of people that had this surgery that wanted to do more for other families. So we put together these resources to aid them every step of the way. And it's become kind of like my priority in life. I, I, I don't care about anything else but this cause because, you know, um, it's a painful thing to go through this. Uh, I don't want anyone else to go through the hardships that I had to go through. That I think how my batteries and how I run is, is the pain in my heart of what I went through is what I want people to avoid. 
I don't want people to have that, that terrible pain of, you know, I'm going to lose my dog. She's going to die and nothing I can do. There's no hope. Here's your medication. You know, it's a terrible thing. And, and we wanted to do more and that's what we're going to do. Well, wow. Um, you really love Zoe. That's all I can say. You know, it's, it's your love for her that really created um, the Mighty Hearts Project, which, you know, I, I just think, you know, um, you've helped so many, so many other parents um, who I think most people in your, in your situation, they would normally cry and give up or they, they, won't, they won't think as big and deep as you did. You know, they'll just look at it um, geographically, like locally, you know, uh, what could they do, you know. Um, but you, you, you thought really out of the box, you know, which, which I think, honestly, not, not, not a lot of pet parents would do that. And to try and figure out all the logistics to, to you know, get, get yourself to France, uh, with Zoe and and traveling, it's very it's in itself was is very very stressful. I mean, I, I would be I would be so afraid, you know, of of the thought of will my dog even survive the flight? <laughs> yeah, most people feel that way. You know, um, but you know, um, it it is. Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. It, it it was. You know, I'm a very indecisive person. So like when I, my wife yells at me all the time, whenever we go out and we go pick a menu, good luck with that. I can't figure it out and what I want. And I change my mind all the time. And, but this is something, you know, I had to just pull it together and, and, and do this for her or she was going to die. And it's kind of like when you're faced with a terrible situation, a life and death situation, it's really true what they say, where when you're presented with that, you're gonna react two ways. You're either gonna fight kicking and screaming and get it done, or you're gonna just collapse and you don't have the will and you're not strong enough. And I'm pretty proud of myself that I was able to do that. Pull, you know, pull it together for my family and just hold through it all. And, and you know, that's the point of why the group is here because for those that aren't strong enough, well, we're all stronger together. So really what Mighty Hearts is, it's an embodiment of um, collaboration between everyone's resources. So if I can't give someone the full resources, you know what, other people can. And it's not about me. It's about me helping as much as I can. And if I can't help or maybe someone does, can't relate to me because other people are near them, see the same vet, have the same experiences because every experience is kind of different with people, you know, through it. So it's, I don't look at Mighty Hearts as something that I've done. I look at something that we've done. So everyone who's a part of Mighty Hearts Project is what Mighty Hearts Project is. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a group effort. It's never something that, uh, I, I may have put together the resources with others and I'm helping to guide it along the way, keeping it on track, but everyone else really are the ones that make it what it is. Without them, it's nothing. And, and that's the most important value is that without these beautiful pet parents who would literally fly to the end of the earth for their animals, that's, that's, 
the most important thing that matters to the whole entire concept of what it is, is we're all together and we help each other. So Mighty Hearts Project was founded in 2017 and you're now a nonprofit, uh, 501c3. Um, yes. yes. Yeah. So how, you know, since even before, before you got your, your 501c, I mean, you've been actively, you know, working on, on this project as a, as a Facebook group. Um, how many, how many families have you, you know, um, helped so far to date? <laughs> ballpark figure. You know, ballpark, I, more than a hundred. Wow. And I mean, I don't really count it because, you know, to me, it's just, um, I remember each of them and, and, and my journey with them and I talk to them still and um, I like to call them and harass them still to this day. Uh, you know, I believe in that. It's, it's nice to see them get through it and, and be there for them after and, and we're all there for each other. And so, yeah, it's, it's, I don't really look at the numbers. It's kind of a blur to me. You know, I just, I'm in the trenches is what I look at it. Like I'm in the trenches and I'm trying to fight this and I, I'm just continuing to move forward and, and I'm not looking or counting. I'm just, you know, trying to get as many through as I can because I know that uh, each life is precious and matters. And, you know, it's so I, I don't think there's, it's such a huge problem, this disease, as you know, um, time is of the essence here and, just hungering. I feel like I'm in a war where I just have to just put my head down and keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And sometimes I push too hard and my wife yells at me and tells me to slow down. Stop staying up at two in the morning, doing research, doing this. So yeah, I have to sometimes, you know, stop and smell the roses, take my dog for a walk. So, um, Zoe had actually two surgeries uh yeah. one one was the first one was in france mm -hmm. and the second one uh was in in japan um if i remember remember following your your journey online um when when you when you brought um zoe to france the first time uh what did you what did you do to prepare for that journey i mean in terms of like food you know in terms of logistics like how how do you prepare for it and also you know the planning and how long how long did it take you know to, to get from a to a to b and how well, long did you stay there for you for, want to talk about the the first one or both yeah uh, both okay um well was the planning part is was just a matter of that was the quick part doing the health certificates at your veterinarian so that they can, um, you can then go to your agriculture department, USDA in our, in our case for the United States um, to validate the health certificate, the rabies and all the requirements to export your dog to France anyhow. That, uh, that was a 10 day process before you get to fly out. You gotta do it within a 10 day period. So you just, for France and some of these other clinics that are doing it, um, you kind of have to, they have requirements. They want to see certain results of your dog, blood work and uh, ultrasound, make sure your dog doesn't have cancer. They don't want to send you halfway across the world with a dog riddled with cancer, of course. 
So you have to do all these requirement tests. They want to see how your dog is health-wise, any other underlying conditions. How does the blood coagulate so that they can understand if there'll be a problem with going under bypass? Because that's there's some rare diseases that don't allow the dog's blood to coagulate very well under that kind of circumstance, and that would disqualify them. I haven't seen anyone not qualify yet, thank God. But it's, you know, there's some tests you have to do in, in, in the United States, it's ridiculously overpriced. It's all these tests, it's like $3,000 just to qualify to see, you know, if you're a candidate. So you do all this stuff, which, which I remind people, get pet insurance. <laughs> you never know when you need to use it, it can help you here. So we did that and all the testing and preparing to go to France now with the food. And I, at the time was cooking for Zoe. So I cooked everything, froze it. Uh, I went and bought like a little igloo, like a, I wouldn't say it's, it's like a nice chest, but it's the, the, it looks like a travel bag. You wouldn't even know inside, but it has the ceiling um, coolant stuff. So I put all that in there, ice packs, and we had no problem getting through customs with frozen food, cooked food. And um, so I brought all that in without any problem. And, and so that wasn't an issue. And the same thing in Japan, when we went to Japan, it was, uh, I brought in frozen uh, answers, goat's milk, whole bunch of it, like 15 of them. So we just brought that in because I know Zoe, she's not a, after surgery, she doesn't like to eat and she wouldn't eat. And liquid is very important to give her something because she won't eat food. So I, was, I knew I was able to maintain her um, nutrition level through liquid uh, type of delivery system. So I knew that goat's milk would be a great thing for her. So I just brought that and, you know, I had them syringe it to her every day if she wouldn't eat. And that maintained her nutritional levels and her numbers and everything climbed. So she did very well. But yeah, Zoe, um, you want me to explain kind of why she had to have two surgeries? Yes, please. So she, well, in 2016, October, when she had her first one done, she was about a, there's mitral valve disease. It's kind of a, so people understand it's a deficiency in the valve on the, the left side of the heart that um, makes them thick and, and they don't close properly. So that the blood basically is regurgitating too much into the other chambers. So it's causing more blood to go through back and forth. and they have these little cords that attach to the muscle wall and the leaflets. So they pull them open and closed. So they start deteriorating kind of like rubber bands, you know, getting old and they break when you pull on them, they just get old and, you know, deteriorate and they break. And that causes more flow to go, you know, the other way. So instead of a tight, good seal, you're getting the um, valve kind of going up too far. And all the blood goes in and out and in. Now it's supposed to just go one way to push onto the rest of the body. So when that happens, it, it, it basically, instead of closing, it's causing too much blood and they get fluid in their lungs. And, you know, it's a result of all this domino effect. So they have stages of that, where there's a B1, B2, C, and a D stage for mitral valve disease. B1 is where... You have a heart murmur, but you don't really have um, an enlarged heart and your ventricles and everything aren't really enlarged. They're not, you know, they're not noticing those clinical signs yet. So medication is not required. 
But as you get to B2 stage, you start to hear louder murmurs. You may not have uh, larger dilated, you know, um, vessels and, and other things going on. The heart may not be enlarged yet. Some dogs, I want to say they're thinking of introducing a, a new stage, like a B2 plus or B3 okay. kind of thing. Because some dogs are in B2, but they're not yet in large hearts. So you wouldn't consider putting them on medication yet or the ventricles aren't necessarily enlarged yet. But so they kind of decide, you know, when they hit that B3 sort of mark, their heart is really enlarged. They do need to be on medication. Their ventricles are you know, dilated, they're larger than normal. So they do need to start protocol. So then they start, you know, going down that route. And Zoe was a B2, I want to say plus, she was really enlarged heart. So it was obvious she needed surgery. So we had to do this. And the C stage is when they've already gone to heart failure and, and they're on medication, diuretics kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why you have to think about putting, you know, Sorry, so he's scratching on the wall. It's all right. Stop it. It's okay, your pet parent. This is this fine. <laughs> I just threw a blanket at her and said, "Stop it." <laughs> but basically, so Zoe had um, she was B two. It was obviously going. She was going pretty quick. Medication wasn't really resolving anything, so she was going downhill pretty quick. So for us, it was an easy decision to say we have to go do it because she's declining very quickly. So we got to do it. So we decided, okay, we're, we're going to do this. And, and, you know, she had surgery in October 26th of 2016. It went very well. And let me tell you, the experience is, is a hard experience to bring your dog into um, the clinic and seeing this happen. They really made you involved in the process. So you got to um, really see things and see them in recovery so they, they're literally like stopping your dog's heart for three hours all the blood's going through major um you know uh areas in the body on their um jugulars and stuff so it's just it's a, it's a something like you've never had to deal with because they really made you involved with it and so we got through all that with zoe she survived she went into recovery it was a week of intensive care 24-hour monitoring to watch for blood clots. You don't want to get blood clots because that's usually the worst um, thing that could happen during recovery. Mm -hmm. They get blood clots. Uh, it can go to the brain and, you know, seizures, cardiac arrest. I mean, it's terrible. So they really have them on blood thinners and, and pain medications and things like that to prevent that. So it's kind of the, their goal of um, trying to deal with the inflammation after surgery and so she she did very well through surgery got through it all and and we got home in about a week and a half after that so you know we got home we said yes we're done we got through this she lived uh you know we recovered her for three months of no running no jumping because they, they didn't want uh the cords that were in the body that the new artificial or latex cords Mm -hmm. and and the um annual plasty in that let me get her she's asking for me but <laughs> she needs an haircut but she um 
you know, that was the thing. She got through it all and, and like a trooper and, and it's three months of no running, no jumping because you don't want them to take what they put in there. It's still very fragile in the heart because you don't want the, the material ripping off the heart. And um, what you have to do is you have to let them, um, you have to let it heal and scar over the wounds, you know, the, the repair. Mm-hmm. So it further reinforces, like calcifies over the repair. Nice. Just imagine like where the cords, they put in new cords to the heart, to the leaflets, and you reshape it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So when they're putting in these new cords, they, um, they're attached to the muscle wall. They want that to calcify and grow in there and further hold it stronger. Right. If yeah. you let them run and jump off of things too soon, that support, extra support's not there and they could rip them off. And sometimes, you know, a natural process, it could just happen. And I think with Zoe, she got through it. We were two and a half or so years into recovery and, you know, she's doing great. And we always monitored her, no running, no jumping. And for, well, Jasmine likes to say pretty much for the life. They could be a dog, but they're not going to run in the Appalachian Mountains and go on trails and get crazy like that. You know, you should monitor them, have them on a leash. Don't let them run from zero to go in like two seconds. It's mm-hmm. a stopping and starting that pulls the cords and stretches. Nice. So, you know, people need to be co- cognizant that this is a repair. It's not a cure. That it's like any other patient with, with heart problems. They're going to have heart problems the rest of their life. It's a progressive disease. It's still going to eat away at, at, at other areas in the heart. And, and even other cords they couldn't replace might even break. So changes could definitely happen and you have to be very aware of that and understand that this is a buying of gift of time. You know, their goal is four or five years, but I, I know I've seen dogs five, six years after surgery still living. So I wouldn't say that it's, you know, four or five years and that's a clock and it's over. I don't even think they understand long-term because most dogs don't live, you know, they get it about 10 years old. Mm-hmm. They don't live beyond 15 or so. So you don't really get to see how long they could have lived with the repair. They usually die of cancer or something else or dogs that have had the surgery that are in further along stage before surgery, more damage in the heart. Mm-hmm. Sometimes could die of this disease still because the heart's really bad. They get in there, they fix it, they hold it, you know, they're buying time and the progressiveness in some dogs is more than others. So then you start getting, uh, dogs that may go downhill again, you know, but, but they got two, three, four beautiful years. They never would have had, it would have been gone in a year or less. So with Zoe, she had, a uh, um, one of those, uh, cords, artificial ones rip off the heart. And that was a shock because we thought we were done. You know, we had surgery. She went through this. We got through it. She's done. We're going to be very careful. And lo and behold, she had a tear from her cord. And, and here we are again, severe regurgitation. Everything's going in the wrong place again where um, she's going to congestive heart failure stage. And our cardiologist said, you know, the numbers are getting worse. They're getting worse. They're getting worse. The valve's getting bigger, bigger, bigger. And talking with Japan and just kind of piecing it together saying, look, this is where we're at. They suggested, well, she's seven and a half right now. Very, very healthy. No other underlying problems. 
um, she's, she's going to need to have surgery again. Because if we don't do it, she's definitely not going to make it much longer, a year or two, you know, you go into congestive heart failure, you don't know how long, but the way she is, very quick progressing. So she would have went probably a year if I would have fought with good holistic regimens, a year, year and a half, maybe two. So he rec they recommended you got to go back for surgery. We've only done this on like, I think like at the time, six dogs or less. Wow. The second surgery. And only one has survived that I know of. Okay. And uh, I think that was Wendy, which um, sadly passed um, eventually from the disease. But, you know, the, so they recommended Zoe's got to go back. So here we are <laughs> planning the trip again, uh, this time in a different continent. So now we're going to Japan and we're prepping for the, I kind of knew ahead of time. So I already started the Japanese quarantine process, which is, I call it a waiting period. I hate the quarantine process because everyone thinks, oh my God, you're going to have to throw your dog somewhere for quarantine for 180 days. I'm like, no, it's a waiting period where you do a series of unfortunately rabies shots uh, and tighter uh, blood tests to show the antibodies, you know, rabies so that Japan knows you don't have a rabies dog you're bringing in. So you have to wait for the incubation period. It's a 180 day wait. We did all that. Um, and then did the same thing with the USDA where we exported Zoe with the paperwork um, certified and, and sent it to the quarantine office. We got into Japan again and, and uh, went to our pre-op appointment and did the whole thing again. And that's where they sit, sit you down and tell you these, these are the odds. Like, I think hers was like a 50-50 chance. We don't know. We've never really done two surgeries before very often. So, you know, we had to make the, the decision. Of course, everyone always has to make the decision before surgery. These are the odds. This is what we think. Um, these are the possibility of complications. Um, do you agree? Then you sign the paperwork. And so you're very well informed of what could happen. They're very uh, upfront about all that. And I, we had to make the decision as a family and we did that and, and we went through it. And, but this time with Zoe, uh, normally they access the left side of the heart. Um, to do the, the surgery and this side uh, they had to, this time they had to do the right side because the left side was already done and there's scarring involved where you couldn't access that because of that so they had to go in through the right side of her body and um, and access you know around uh, to get to her left side to work on it so with Zoe they um, they redid the entire thing they took out everything from the last surgery, the cords, everything. And they redid everything. They said, since they're in there, they might as well redo it all. So they replaced everything. And um, she, again, surprisingly got through it again. And we went to recovery to see her. And it was a week long, of course, uh, of intensive care. And the dogs, most people don't realize the dogs within like four hours of surgery are standing up already in, in their crates. Um, like nothing happened. They're on pain meds. They don't feel anything. And they're the first day they're groggy. Second day, the same dog you've noticed. They're just like, wow, you're up and walking around and peeing and you know, you're eating and it's cause they don't break the ribs like they do in humans to access to the heart. Right. They don't have it. 
sometimes you, you gotta be careful they could fracture them so and that heals but but primarily they um they don't have to do that so they recover very well compared to us and you know they're walking around the clinic within a couple days so yeah it was quite uh <laughs> I never thought I'd be in the situation of going to France and then having two years, two and a half years later, fly my dog to Japan for, an, for the same surgery and endure that twice. So that was, uh, that was a life-changing experience that um, could easily break most people. And, you know, it probably it pretty much did me, but I had to hold it together for my family. I had to be the rock and hold all that in and help them and get through it and anything for her you know well just listening to to zoe's journey you know like my my heart you know uh you know i feel it and she's just yeah. really lucky to have a dad like you honestly you know because i think if it happened to my dog you know um i don't know if i have the strength like you to to uh, cry and then pull it together and you know really zero in and focus on on a task at hand because that's what literally you did you you did a mind shift you know you switch gears and you know you sort of told yourself okay enough you know crying and 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 self-pity and, and stuff and just what what should we do who should we look for you know to get it done yeah. and uh the crying and self-pity came later <laughs> that <would be. laughs> Oh, but you know, I think you're you're such an amazing dad, you know. Um, and she's so lucky to have you, cause honestly, I, you know, I have friends with with dogs in um, who had the disease, and honestly, um, their experience nothing like like yours. I mean, they did, I think, uh, whatever usually the conventional vet here will, you know, uh, recommend and. And diet is, well, uh, not everyone is holistic in the approach. You know, even even during this period where you would naturally think, you know, uh, you should go as natural as possible, especially for humans. That's what we normally do. You know, like if you have cancer or whatever disease, we were saying the first thing is like, okay, we have to clean up our, our system to, to heal. But for some reason with, with our companion animals, um, you know, yeah. surprisingly... It doesn't go through that that part of the brain for some reason. Yeah, no, it's it's, and that kind of what that's what led me into the holistic journey. Mm. You know, after you've done something like this, where like literally you flew your dog to two different continents and spent probably fifty thousand dollars or more, uh, money I didn't have by the way. Who the hell has that kind of money up front? Yeah, you know, this, these are loans, bank loans, and and um, private loans and. Um, 401ks, I mean, any damn thing I can get, you know, legally. <laughs> and and um, so we did what we had to do. We got it done. And, but that led me on a journey after this. So seeing her recovered and, and how well she's doing, that leads you on a journey of, okay, she's just been through these miraculous things. You, you know, what a freaking tough dog. And she deserves to have at least good, some good years away from all this BS that had to happen to her. So you kind of get angry and like, you know, why did this have to happen to this beautiful soul that, you know, doesn't deserve it? So you start researching and that leads you down the hole of, okay, what can I do to improve her life beyond 
what she just went through. So you start looking at the, the food, the vaccines, um, you know, the topicals, all, all these flea and tick medications. And so you start really going down that hole of research. And then when you do that, it really opens up your mind and like, oh my God, um, I didn't know the industry was that messed up, you know? So you start doing the research, you start going to conventions because I want to educate myself. I want to educate others. And you start going down the rabbit hole and, and you start making contacts and friends that are very like-minded and want to do the same thing and educate people because it's the path they're on. So I've made a lot of cool friends in the industry that, um, that I just, I, I love. I mean, they're amazing people like, like um, many that I know. So, but you start looking at food and how critical food is in the role of healing the body. We know that with ourselves, we still eat McDonald's and we still make bad decisions, but your dogs, your animals can't go to McDonald's. They're not going to eat that crap. It's in your hands. The power is in your hands. They're going to, you could give them the very best nutritional um, um, love, you know, versus uh, what you do to yourself. And, and they don't have a choice. They're going to eat what you give them. And, so you could really turn their life around and, and turn around the allergy problems and the uh, um, even if you're dealing with chronic illnesses, you could really I've seen with holistic supplements and food, you could really stave off the eventual you know inevitable, you know, inevitable like cancer problems and serious genetic issues that catch up to them. Mm-hmm. It's there's so much power in, in holistic medi- medicine. And, and that's really what my journey is on now is how can I put together a protocol to help people with mitral valve disease, with holistic approaches that I could have people in the industry um, recommend mm. so that people don't have to go through that journey of um, how to figure it all out. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of stress, a lot of work to figure out what to feed and, and, People don't know a lot of the food is disgusting in the in the in the majority of the market. Mm. You know, like we know, I won't name names, but SDRC, <laughs> we know what that stuff is, and it's recommended and pushed on a lot of our cardiac patients. And and you know, I know friends who like that documentary Pet Fooled. Mm. I'm sure. Have you seen that? Yes. Yeah. So I met Cole Harrington, the director at an event and he's a good friend. He's a nice guy. And so you start learning these things and you start learning what the industry is doing to your pets and holistically and through, you know, terrible food practices and to know what's in this food will scare people at night. Mm. So I learned what's in this stuff and it's terrible food and, and how fresh food and, and natural foods could help. And, and I think that's why I'm able to get around with a lot of the problems I had with Zoe. Um, I took her to holistic vets. Um, even now she has pulmonary hypertension and she's had some severe cases where she's had to be hospitalized for a few days with oxygen. Mm-hmm. And now she's doing amazing because I have her on a, on a good supplement detox regimen where I'm flushing out her liver, flushing out her kidneys. And I got to tell you, night and day, she's getting acupuncture now. Oh. and 
breathing well. She's eating now. I mean, everything turned around with just flushing out her body and, and understanding stagnation and, you know, what TCBM is. Yeah. These holistic vets who know what they're doing and mm-hmm. could dial in things. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So that's kind of the journey I'm on now is how, how, how can I put that together to help these amazing people who are just doing everything they can to, I mean, they're flying their dogs halfway across the world to do anything for them. Mm. And I want to put together something for them that could help them, you know, buy that needed time to get to surgery. Many are waiting six months. Some dogs aren't going to make it six months Uh or with what's going on now in the world longer, you know? Mm. So how can I die? How can I help them? get the help they need to, to hold their dog from going into congestive heart failure longer, you know, mm. so maybe they could make it to surgery. So there's a lot more to do, a lot more to go. And, and it's, it's just starting for what this organization is. For, for our listeners who, who can't see you on the video, could you, could you um, tell them which, uh, what breed is Zoe? So they have an idea of how big your dog is. Um, she is a Maltese, but nine, 10 pounds. Yeah. So she's everyone, she's, she's actually a very cute little tiny huggable, you know, dog. And she's went through two heart surgeries, you know, flew to two continents. And, you know, with the strength of a daddy, she's pulled through every single time, um, you know, with, with his determination to, to, to make sure that he, she, she gets well. And I, you know, and when you carried her just now, my heart just filled up, you know, uh, again, because she's so sweet. She's so yeah. tiny. And, you know, um, the thought of, of uh, doing surgery on, on, on a dog that size, you know, I, you know, I can't imagine what you and your wife went through, you know, just, 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 just even going through the first surgery, let alone two, you know, um, so it is life changing. And I, and I got to tell you, doing this over the years where, you know, we're helping the doctors um, with kind of guiding our members to get there safely and learn everything that they need to learn. So um, we don't get paid for any of this stuff. I do this free. So I, I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. Um, we now with the nonprofit, thank God we're able to at least make something so that nonprofit could push further in the education and educating more vets and, you know, cardiologists, veterinarian cardiologists in the industry to understand this is available because a lot of them don't even know it's available, which is shocking to me and very shocking, especially in the United States and they're board certified, board certified veterinarian cardiologists and they don't know this exists. Um, It upsets me a lot when they don't know and you are a board certified, you should be on top of understanding um, what's, what's out there. This is your field, right? You should know it. You should know everything. Exactly. And if you're, so it, it kind of leads me to believe it's just like anything else. You know, you have people that are passionate, that are teachers that want to learn. Those should be the vets you want to have. Mm. Have vets that just come in and do their job and it's just a job and they're done with school and they stop learning. Uh, I don't want that dog. I don't want that vet taking care of my dog. I want a passionate vet that's going to learn constantly who attends seminars, who uh, is open-minded. And that's going to be the vet that's going to get me to surgery. 
that's going to be the vet that's going to always be there for my dog after surgery. So part of the mission is, is to go to these events where they are and let them know we exist and that this exists. And, you know, the website is there as an educational resource and we're going to build on that better now that we have the nonprofit to further establish um, educational materials and, and things. And, you know, it needs to change because I don't know why they don't tell their patients sometimes. Mm. Sometimes they struggle maybe with the fact that people won't even pay for a $3,000 surgery for a patella problem or something. How are they even going to think about telling them about this? Well, mm. not your place. Mm. You just got to tell them it exists. And if they feel guilty, they can't get the surgery. I mean, that's going to be something they have to wrestle with. Hopefully programs could come out that could help them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I encourage other people, if we don't do it, um, start an organization to help people fund surgery uh, or uh, give them, you know, we would like to put together ideas to help them with GoFundMe material, like how you do this. And if you can't, um, how, you, how do you successfully raise money, you know, for your, your cause, but mm-hmm. it, there's a lot to do. It's not even close to being, um, over yet there's so much more we have to do mm-hmm. to help these dogs and each each one that we lose it it it, it uh, makes me feel like i'm failing in what, what i'm doing mm-hmm. you know when i hear these dogs who don't make it to surgery um it just it it, it, it kills me sometimes i i've felt like quitting and just walking away from all this and not doing it anymore and but you know i like anyone else, I have, I have my weak points. I'm human and it, it's painful when, when you see these things, like you're not doing enough. And this is a full-time job for me that I'm doing to help. So I just, I hope things can get where they need to go to help these people because it's amazing to see what, what they're willing to go do. Mm-hmm. And, and I hope that with uh, Florida eventually um, wanting to do the surgery, with Dr. Masami coming from Japan to Florida, hopefully next year, if everything opens up, uh, that would be game changer because to have uh, another university learn this procedure, mm-hmm. but training the future vets who want to learn this as well and maybe spread out to a private practice to then start to do it there Mm-hmm. That's how things become more affordable. That's how things become more, um, you know, imagine if you had 20 doctors that could do this and you had your pick from the 20 doctors, which ones would you go to? Yeah. Which ones are having more success? Yeah. Uh, which ones can get me in quicker? Mm-hmm. But the, the one thing, I, the one takeaway thing from all this though, probably is when deciding a place as more start doing this, it's important to look at, um, all the factors of candidacy. So how well are they doing in this clinic? Mm. You know, success wise, how many have they done? You got to ask those questions. Mm. How many have they done? How, you know, how well are they doing? Uh, Do you have success rate numbers you could tell me or show me? Um, Do you post uh, in medical journals to Mm -hmm. be reviewed by your peers? Mm -hmm. That's important. And, and most people choose between those and the age of their dog 
and you know some people aren't comfortable with going to japan some people think you know if like the rvc is an option until they suspended their program but hopefully they'll resume next year we hope um, when they do then again they'll be the second option available that is having high success that we see because a lot of our families have went there and, and they're doing great and so it's just you got to put all those factors together what's best for you and what do their numbers look like and and just decide and but our organization we're not going to judge people on what they decide we're just here to give them the information and the very updated best information so they can make very well informed decisions and whatever it is we're going to be behind you all the way resources i mean everything my heart everything with um, current situation of COVID-19, um, there's a travel ban going on um, around the world with, I think, most countries. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> what, uh, what sort of protocols do you sort of support and advise your, you know, um, the families who, who want to travel but they can't travel at the moment because of this uh, current situation? Um, but what no. do you sort of advise them? Right now, the most important thing I think for people considering to go to Japan, because it's the only option right now okay. that I would send people to, um, the quarantine process or waiting period process. Starting that, I think, is everything, because that's your 180 days that you cannot enter to Japan. Mm-hmm. So you have six months. So we're hoping within six months, all this nonsense will be worked out. And, and people can then enter Japan. So really, in, until you started the clock on the quarantine process, you can't even go in the country. So not starting that process, you're not even gonna have a chance to even go. You're just delaying um, the 180 days further back. So six months goes to seven months, goes to eight months. So people that have dogs that are early on in this process, like a B1, kind of maybe B2, but not heart enlargement, mm-hmm. have the advantage because you do the quarantine process, you get it out of the way. Um, it's good for two years once you've completed it. So the only thing you have to do with Japan is um, you have it done. It's good for two years. You just have to maintain the rabies shot. And on the two-year mark, before the two-year mark is up on the, on the process when you started the quarantine, um, the Favin titer test is called, Mm-hmm. Once you started that, you got to go in and you got to get that renewed by the, before the two-year marker expires. And then you're good for another two years. So you can just keep renewing it and, and deciding if you want to go for surgery. So that's really the, the marker that's going to kill you is if you don't start quarantine and maintain it. And, and then the only thing you have to do is, is let people know um, you only have to notify the quarantine office 40 days before arrival you're coming. And that's really the only time crunch is 40 day wait. And then also besides Jasmine having to be, being able to fit you in on the schedule. Um, it's never really a problem with them because they do like nine surgeries a week, wow. Monday through Wednesday with um, their clients are, are, I think 90% of their business are, are their Asian clients. Like, so 10, the US clients are make up about 10% of their business. So they, they keep very busy over there. And I mean, Monday through Wednesday, nine surgeries a week. Most of the clinics that are doing this do like one a month 
or two, maybe if they're lucky, two a week. Mm. Um, but these guys, you know, 13 years, 2,000 surgeries probably by now, uh, nine in a week. Oh. I mean, that's, that's, and this is all they do. This is all they do. They don't do anything else. They just, every day is this. So it's pretty impressive. And I just say, stay on top of the quarantine and, and, and that's your, that's your biggest hurdle. Mm. Okay. Oh, um, <laughs> you know, with, with, um, how you've, you know, um, cat for Zoe, um, and trying to get her, you know, healthy, you know, holistically as well with, with uh, nutrition and, and, and supplements, um, has that changed your own personal lifestyle? You know, um, how you, how you look at, you know, your health and approach it? Because what really. you do is actually very intensive, you know? <laughs> well, no, it, it doesn't. Now I do because my wife doesn't give me that choice anymore. Mm. I have to eat healthy mm. because she makes me. But um, no, you, you know, it's funny. A lot of holistic people I know don't eat as healthy as their animals do. Like I said, it comes down to choice and it's easier for us to push on them what they need to eat than it is for us mm -hmm. quickly. You know, we're in a busy world. We're running around. You don't have time and you make bad decisions and, you know, you're going to these meetings or conventions and you just grab something quickly. And that's the world we live in and we need to make better choices. And, you know, myself uh, in September, having a heart attack myself, you know, on top of all this that I've been through, I think a lot of it was stress related because, um, I held in so much of what I went through with Zoe between both times. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's a lot. Yes. There's a lot. I, now that I sit back and look at it, I, I've, I mean, between going to France to save her, going to Japan to save her, uh, I lost my job in the process because um, Zoe, after her second surgery, was was not doing well left home alone. She was running around crying and couldn't have that. Um, in recovery at least for three months. So I had to take her to work and then they said it wasn't working and they sent me home uh, to do projects at home. Mm -hmm. And they called me in and fired me because it wasn't working. Like, Thanks, six years, no write-ups, nothing, just you're fired, not working. So I haven't been working in like 13 months now. I, I've just been hanging out with Zoe and spending time and building the website and working on Mighty Hearts Project stuff uh, um, as much as I can. And, Thank God my wife can support us right now. So really, I've, you know, it's been quite an ordeal. And I think the stress of everything I've went through with Zoe um, and everything is just caught up to me. And so I took a lot of time off. I, cause I'm just taking time off and resting and, you know, and then in September I had a heart attack. So, <laughs> you know, the almost died in the ER with cardiac arrest and, and, I didn't need any more heart issues in my life, for God's sakes. I've been through enough. But I went through that. I got through that. And, and now I'm eating mostly vegetarian and I'm eating very healthy. And I'm doing the lifestyle I should have always been that I've practiced with her. That mm. should have been with me. So, but yeah, and, and been quite, it's been quite interesting, you know. Well, I mean, we eat you around, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, I know I was even at the doctor's like a month ago because I, I, I had like something under my eye and it was it was almost cancerous. Uh, and 
they had to remove it. And they said it was so close to being a very bad one. Oh. And they removed it, thank God. But I'm like, geez. <laughs> and then COVID hit, you know, of course. And it's just, I'm like, what did I do in my past life to uh, go through all of this? Really, what did I do? But um, and rather, rather than going that route, uh, it teaches you, like I said, you can take it one way of just giving up and it's too much and I, I can't do this anymore. Or you can just get pissed off and say, you know what, life is a fight and you got to just get in there and you just kick and scream lovingly the whole entire way until you drop dead. And then what have you accomplished in your life? That's good is the main thing you should be looking at. Helping people, um, doing good things in this world. Because I realize through Zoe and through myself, time is such a gift in this world. And how you live it and treat people is, you know, that should be your, your goal every day is be a good person and fight hard in life and just, you know, live a good life and, and don't question what happens to you. Just take it with a grain of salt and, and do keep doing good. Well, I think you're a superhero because your journey, um, both with Zoe and your personal Joey, uh, with your, your, your own journey, you know, um, that's what made, made you the, the, the man that you are, you know, to, to really create and, and, and that force of nature, because you are a force of nature. And, you know, um, unfortunately, your body did, you know, your body needs to can't, no one can hold on to all that stress, you know, especially with, if, if my dog went through what Zoe did, you know, um, just the stress of, of planning and getting there and maintaining, you know, every day. Cause I think even now, um, you know, you have to constantly watch her and, and make sure that, you know, um, the, her protocols are done every day so that she's doing fine. That, that is a stress in itself, you know? Um, and well, yeah. I can't yeah, imagine. I, I haven't even gotten into PTSD with all this. I mean, most <laughs> families, most of our families can tell you there's post-traumatic stress syndrome with all of this. Um, mm -hmm. What you just did uh, emotionally, financially, and, and I don't think you can believe that they're as bad as some of these were, these dogs were, mm -hmm. you just can't believe they're doing that well. Mm -hmm. So when you see them come home and you see them, you know, they're getting more oxygen to their brain because their their heart is pumping more efficiently. Mm -hmm. So their attitudes are changing. Their dog is maybe more peppier or mm -hmm. in Zoe's case, more meaner to me. <laughs> she bites me. She's mean, pretty but mean. Um, she, you know, she's a lot of the PTSD comes because you, you, you see them cough or something and, you know, especially being through this twice. Mm. I'm like, Oh God, is it coming back? Oh my God. You know, so you start going down that line and and you then take your dog for a cardiologist checkup because you want to make sure things are okay. Mm. So I, I've already done like six echoes in six months. Wow. I'm like there every month now, you know, doing echoes because of other issues. And But most family members are, uh, after surgery, you do a one month, three month, six month, uh, and then a one year. Mm -hmm. And every six months, basically after that. Um, mm -hmm. So most people can't even make it to one or two months and they go in because it's just so stressed out about 
things and make sure they're they're maintaining and, and yeah it's it's it could really mess you up so the support group that we have on facebook um really helps people um relate together who've been through mm-hmm. this um and those that are going to go through this it, it just really helps and that's why i created that is our group did and to help people deal with this mm. because really it, it is a changing experience and it always keeps you on your toes and we know our dogs can't live forever but uh, we're going to make them live as long and healthy as possible and and to enjoy the fruits of life that they've been given with this surgery time and and you know let it be as good and healthy as possible for as long as possible so it's a life-changing exhausting but uh you know it's i wouldn't change anything for the world well all i can say is um thank god thank god for you you know um thank you for all that you've done um for zoe and for all the other parents out there who are you know going through the same thing because you know to to have you create this foundation um you know, to support parents, um, not just with the technical and logistic side, but also the holistic side and the emotional side, um, which is very important, you know, the pre, during and then post, you know, to have that community. Um, it's really important because um, we, I think as human beings, we need that, especially when you're, you're thinking about caring for your dog and, you know, you, you're, you know, being the, the parent that you are, you'll be like, you know, my dog just sneezed or, you know, or she's limping, you know, uh, you know, all the alarm systems go off. So having, having, having your support group is, is so good, you know, and all I can say is, you know, I, you know, I admire what you've done and what you're doing. And, you know, uh, on behalf of all the parents, I just want to say thank you, you know, cause you are an inspiration. You, you really are, you know, um, as a daddy and as a human being and, you know, um, Please take good care of yourself, because you know <laughs> we. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying. The, the wife is doing a good job kicking me in the butt, <laughs> you know, slapping we... things out of my hands that I shouldn't be having. <laughs> she's buying everything since I don't have a job, so she's, <laughs> I don't have a choice. I eat what she what she buys, mm. so it's probably a good thing. She's keeping me on 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 you know on a good solid foundation to maintain myself and be mm-hmm. here for Zoe and her and, and, you know, you guys. And uh, it's just, I, I'm excited for the future of what things will come. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, I care so much about our members and everyone that, uh, that wants to be here to help. And I'm always looking for no, new resources, people that want to come in and help us because we are expanding everything. And, um, so definitely it's this would be an exciting year once everything is over um we'll be able to you know the covid thing and um more things will happen that'll be good so i only see good things and i'm building that foundation and and very open to new resources and people that have uh better ways of doing things because i suck at business (laughs) i'm terrible but i I'm always open and willing to expand because this isn't about me. This is about the dogs. And that's the one number one rule is it's always about the dogs ahead of anything that I could ever do. And if, I, if I'm ever in the way of that, then I can't do this anymore. So 
the number one goal is expanding this for them to benefit the dogs, you know, and I know it's going to be a beautiful thing. And, and if anyone else has ideas or wants to help, I I'm, I'm open to it because there is only growth if you allow people in, mm. you can't, this isn't something that I'm holding to myself and saying, no, no, no one else can help. No, uh, everyone should help. Mm. Everyone has different resources. Um, so that's the point of it. That's how things blossom. You know, you just, you, you let it open and, and you let it go kind of, I wouldn't call myself a hippie. <laughs> I think I'm more like, I just let things blossom in the direction they need to go. I let life and love and everything just kind of guide it and turn it into where it needs to go. It's not my direction. It's our direction. So it's a lot of good things to come. Well, you have an amazing heart. That's all I can say. Um, you know, uh, I think, I think uh, we're very, very lucky to have you in this world. And um, I, I hope to see you, you know, yeah. getting stronger and healthier because, you know, you, you, you are inspiring all the other parents who are in your position as well because, you know, it's a wake-up call in that sense that, you know, don't just focus on your dog. You have to also look at yourself, take care of yourself because, you know, if you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of your dog. Um, yeah, exactly. So there, there needs to be things. Um, like I tell people just during this process, listen to like opera music, listen to soothing things. Your dog will appreciate it. You will appreciate it. Mm. Uh, drink a lot of wine. <laughs> just do things that are going to relax you because it's going to be quite a journey. But you have to, you got to let go and, 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 you know, just get through it. That's tough. If, you know, looking back in your journey, um, what would you say, you know, um, you're most proud of throughout your whole journey? And if, you know, if you could change one thing or could, if you could advise, you know, your younger, your younger self, you know, uh, would you, would, you know, would you give any advice or, you know? Yeah, probably. I wish what I knew now I knew then, like everyone else always feels in the holistic world is if they knew what they know now, mm -hmm. they would have prevented possibly things to come much sooner. So like, I wish, I wish I would have known to feed Zoe a lot better then you know, than she is now. Um, I wish I would not have over vaccinated her and, and knew the information that I know now, how we shouldn't be giving them yearly or every three year or whatever vaccinations, there are titer tests that could show the immunity. So why would I give her more if the, the test shows immunity? So I, I think it exacerbated her issues. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have a clinical issue, uh, sick dog you don't want to give them more stuff and more stuff and more stuff and just chemical 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 you're not helping you're throwing fire you know you're throwing big huge logs on top of a fire so yes. it's just i wish i would have known a lot more than i know now because then i would never have, have given her so many vaccinations and and i would have never fed her although i don't I think when she was a puppy when i got her first she ate kibble mm-hmm in the early days mm -hmm. but I, I knew enough to take her off of that mm -hmm. and feed her at least fresher food right 
and and then it just escalated from there. But I, I wish I would have just from the gate from the gate had the knowledge to feed her better, um, had the knowledge not to do all these things to her um, because they're much smaller and and they absorb way much more in, in our toxic environment than, than we do because they're so small. Mm-hmm. And if I just would have known all these um, holistic alternatives mm-hmm. sooner, maybe it would have prevented things from getting as bad as they, they did. So, and, and that's what I aim to fix with people that come in my life that I could give that knowledge to to prevent them, mm-hmm. you know, from going down that hill that I had to go to. So, that's probably my takeaway is I wish I would have known all that information, you know, way back then. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't change anything because I, I believe in life. Um, who you are is what you've gone through. Mm-hmm. So what I am today is, and I'm proud of myself because I really am proud of myself for what I've been able to accomplish um, in four years. So completely turning my life around and changing it and you know I wake up and breathe this cause there's mm-hmm. nothing else I cannot think of I get up and I find ways to do more and, and you know I wouldn't change anything because it's made me who I am today I'm glad you are you you know um, like I said your story is just amazing and you're you're truly an inspiration as a dog dad to all you know, um, pet parents out there because you, you never gave up, you know, and, and you, you know, you found one obstacle after another, but you, you, you looked, you know, for alternative solutions, which not everyone do that. Not everyone would do that. And, you know, and because of what you've gone through, you created Mighty Hearts Project and the world honestly is a better place for it because, you know, um, until I heard about you, I, I didn't even know there were options for, for dogs with MVD. You know, so I, I really want to thank you. And now, um, even with um, my friends with their dogs now, if they have this condition, I would actually send them to, to your website or to your Facebook group. You know, I said, check this guy out. You know, um, you know I said, he's, he's done a lot, you know, and he's based in the US, but he's got so much experience, you know, so I always tell him, just follow and, you know, and then you can see the clinic in Japan. So, you know, um, because Singapore is actually closer to Japan. I said, you know, go and contact them directly and find out what you can do, you know, to, to bring your dog there. But um, I think, I think it's just amazing what you've done. Yeah. And, and, and again, that's what it's about is, is you've gained the knowledge that we've put out there and mm-hmm. you're helping other people that are in your particular region to contact Jasmine and this is how you do it. This is how, you know, this is what you do to get this process going. That's exactly what this is about. It's, it's about other people who've gone through this journey or understand it to see, see someone. Like if I see dogs in the hospital now, or I see a cavalier walking down the street, I'm like, Hmm, I want to talk to that person. And, and so that's the point of it. We all help each other. Um, through this, you know, to, to educate other people to understand that, that there is something, there is hope. And, and it's about everyone spreading that message, um, not just our organization, but um, plenty of family members who've gone through this already help people privately, maybe in their neighborhood that they run into at a dog park mm-hmm. that explain to them what they've done or what they got to do. And 
they tell them to go to our website and they look it up and they get the resources and the support of others. And, you know, then it's, it's the general idea of it all is everyone is there to, to collaborate and put together the information. And, and I love that's, that is the reward right there is when you see other people that have benefited from the information you put out there um, who then pay it forward to other people to, you know, save them, yes. save their dog. And, and that's the point of why this is, you know, I love this thing and I love, that's my reward of it all. I don't care about anything else. It's just seeing other people learn and teach and go and they have surgery and then they're thanking them. And, you know, that's, that's the point of it. So it's a lot more to do. So I better keep myself in shape. Well, you're, you're a super dad and, you know, Zoe's very, very lucky to have a daddy like you, you know, uh, you know, it makes makes me makes me think that I'm I'm not a very good mom <laughs> with my dog. I'm sure you are. Oh uh, well, thank you for your time, Nate. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate you putting aside time to to share your story and 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 Zoe's as well with with everyone. Um, I will be putting. I don't mind. I'm not working, so what am I doing? <laughs> well, I know exactly what you're doing. You're 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 trudging on and creating a a, a very important movement. You know the Mighty Hearts Project because what you what you're doing right now is basically you're spreading awareness and you know uh, letting people know there are options out there, and you know um, that's what that's what makes this world a better place and gives everyone hope is people like you, you know, with the positive vibes, um, truly you know, because of your passion, your love, you know, you know, I, I, I um, salute you because, you know, I just think you're an awesome person. Oh, <laughs> you thank really you. Are. That really does mean a lot to me because it, uh, I, I get a lot of love from a lot of people in the community and, and, and that, that's so special to me that that's, that's my, like I said, that's my reward is seeing that I was able to make a difference in this world and, you know, as tough as things are or, or, or they'll be um, hope in each other and support in each other is that's the key to successful, happy life. Well, I want to thank your wife as well for, for, you know, keeping you in shape and watching over you, you know, <laughs> for dealing with me. Yes. Yes. You know, cause you know, uh, you need someone to take care of you as well. And I'm, I'm glad that she's doing that, you know, to, to, to make sure that, you know, um, it takes a village, you know, it takes a family to, to get through this. So you have, you have an amazing family, not just your immediate circle, but you know, the community at large, you know, um, and I, you know, Oh yeah. The doctors too. I mean, the doctors are, people don't get to see how, how nice and kind they are behind the scenes. Um, those that go to surgery do, but they're, you know, it's, they have, that passion in their heart, the one, the thing I told you about earlier were uh, teaching, very important to find a doctor that wants to teach, mm. passionate about what they're doing. Um, these doctors have this in their heart that I've seen no other doctors have. They all have the same thing. It's kind of, you'd have to go through the experience to understand that. But when you meet them, you talk to them and you see what they've done for your dog and continue to do and how they treat you. Mm -hmm. um you're just amazed at the type of people that they are and the the kind hearts that they have and how involved they are with you in the process mm -hmm. um 
it they're amazing people so this is why i dedicate my life freely to helping these doctors with this mm. because you know i may be the one helping people with the information on how to do all this and get there but these are the guys that are saving your dogs these are the real heroes to me you know they're they are my movie stars you know i don't care about hollywood and all my movie stars and all that stuff these are my like heroes these are the people that I look at that say, um, when most of the world won't do this or learn this for whatever reason, these are the ones that said yes. These are the ones that are saving your dogs every day. Uh, these four centers in the world mm. that are doing it, you know, they're, they're heroes and they don't want recognition. They're not looking for that, of course. We highlight it because they are amazing people. And the world should know who they are and, and have a lot of respect for what they're doing. So that's, I'm just, I'm always amazed that they even talk to us. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're, they're very busy and they're very humble and, and, you know, they're amazing people. Thank you for listening to Nate's story. Look out for Dr. Jean Dodd's interview next week. Wow, I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone. <laughs>